When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forged in the fires of undersoil heating. Stronger than the steel of a stadium roof. Their name is uttered in anguish and ecstasy. It's all about the football gods. All they can do is hope they're smiling on them. Never seen, never heard, but with ultimate power, these are the football gods. Their names are part of football folklore. They're often turned to in times of need. They can be a fan's last resort, but who are the football gods? I'm Tim Spears. And I'm Kate Mason. And we'll be pondering the important questions such as what moment are you wiping from history and what are your football commandments? Given the power, how would you change football? This week, we're joined by former striker turned co-commentator, Don Goodman. Don racked up 586 appearances and scored 162 goals during a 20-year career, which saw him play for more than 10 different clubs in a variety of countries. Uh, the best one by far being, of course, the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers. He also played for them lot down the road, but we don't really want to talk about that. So Don had some fascinating things to share with us. He unfortunately brought up a Wolves game that anyone of a Wolves persuasion listening uh, would like to forget, myself included. But um, yeah, he gave us an interesting answer on his Food of the Gods, which is a very popular chicken restaurant, which many of you will know. Talked about some high-scoring games that he'd like to last forever. And about his time growing up in Leeds and some great stories from the many clubs that he played for over what was a fascinating career. And of course, gave us some great ideas on the game of today and his role as a broadcaster going up and down the country watching live games every single week it's a great episode hope you enjoy folks here is don goodman football god when did you first discover the game do you remember what your first match was my dad was just really into his sport obviously being a west indian cricket was a big thing for him um which with my mum being a little white yorkshire lady from wakefield when west indies played england i couldn't really lose so if West Indies won, it was quite the Wendy's. If uh, England won, it was come on England. So um, so sport was a big thing. Where I lived, there was loads of grassy areas, you know, big council sort of blocks of flats, grass everywhere, which which was heaven. And then I found that I loved chucking myself in the mud and driving my <laughs> mum crazy. So I, I went in goals. So I was a goalkeeper for a, a large part of my formative years, although I could play out. Yeah. Um, and I was quick. I just, just loved chucking myself around and diving all over the place so um is it tactless to ask were you in terms of your hat were you sort of bigger than the other boys at that stage (laughs) absolutely not no (laughs) the the opposite really so if I take you a little bit further on I actually went um for Leeds City schoolboys so that's the best sort of I don't know 25 boys in Leeds representing Leeds at schoolboy level um my first two trials were as a goalkeeper and um I was to say so myself you 
you know from my playing days, I was quite springy and athletic and so on and so forth, but I was tiny. So although I was the best goalkeeper there, the, once the ball was up and over your head, there was nothing I could do about it. So first year, I think it was under 11s, they said, um, or under 12s, they said, you, you're great, but you're just too small. <laughs> exactly the same the following year. And then I went back the following year for a trial as a right winger and, and got in. Right. So um, the goalkeeping days were, were over, but um, no, it was, I, I used to love it. So first question, first proper question mm. in your role as a football guard. Is there a team, and this may come from your childhood, I guess, that's like a glory team or glory season? Um, I, you know, your sort of mm. team of the gods is the one team that really sort of Yeah, well, I, I heard um, David Seaman's effort and obviously he went through the Leeds team and I, that's my team. And as I say, they, they well, they won the 1972 FA Cup final against Arsenal, uh, diving header, Alan Clark, but then they lost in 73 against uh, Championship Sunderland. So I remember crying at, crying at that. And then um, they won the league in 74 and then 75, they lost the European Cup final. Um, controversially, some would argue, certainly no VAR in those days. But um, so they, they would have been it. But I thought in order to be different, I thought I'd make a hybrid of a team. Really, Come on, because, okay, yeah. this is what we want. Um, and I, ironically, I ended up playing for West Bromwich Albion, my second professional club. But the three degrees, um, we were drawn to them as, as a black kid. Um, to have one black player in, in a team back then was unusual. Yeah. To have three was literally unheard of, and they were all amazing players. And obviously, what they what they went through in terms of the racism, the abuse, without them being strong and getting through that, then people like me probably wouldn't have um, wouldn't have had the opportunity. Um, it would have been much more difficult anyway. So, um, but that great team you put them in that West Bromwich Albion team of '78 under Ron Atkinson that played that. Flamboyant football. I know we're sat here in Wolverhampton Wanderers. I don't yeah, want to be waxing slight, lyrical, but I'm sure you can understand my logic between them. So um, yeah, yeah I, I would have a, a hybrid of that team. My my boyhood childhood hero was Peter Lorimer, Hotshot Lorimer. He used to get the little blue sock tags number seven um, uh, for Christmas or a birthday or whatever, and try and pretend you were him. And then one day, I remember playing Leeds at Ellen Road for West Brom and. Um, they were awarded a free kick and I was in the wall and I just remember thinking, please do not hit me <laughs> with this shot because he, he had a thunderbolt of a strike. So he was my favourite player to the point where at that age, I probably didn't really understand patriotism and nationalism. I used to support Scotland okay. in, the, in the home internationals and things like that because he was Scottish, Eddie Gray was Scottish, Billy Bremner was Scottish. Why not? Yeah, all, all, all the loads, there was a massive Scottish connection with that. Leeds That's a team. classic kid thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of you've got your eye on players. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, the amount of Wolves fans that will follow Portugal there. Yeah, for that, yeah. For that reason, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And even, there's crazy reasons when you're a kid. I mean, you're so immature, aren't you? I remember in 1974, I was eight, wanting the Netherlands to win because I liked their orange kit. <laughs> you know, so... Why not? <laughs> it was, uh, and they got all the way to the final and lost to, lost to Germany. But, um, but yeah, and, and one of my regrets, actually, is Peter Lorimer is no longer with us. And he used to ring me whenever one of the Midlands clubs played Leeds United and get my take on it. And I never, ever told him that he was my my boyhood hero. And I really wish I had. Why do you think you didn't? I don't know. I don't know, really. It's a difficult one to answer. Um, but you only reflect afterwards, don't you? And and sort of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just one of those strange things that, that didn't happen and I wish it had. Probably feels a bit 
sort of putting yourself out there maybe to but say I'd that. probably yeah yeah, yeah probably because you're just having a chat about He's ringing today. me for my opinion on yeah. Leeds United v Wolves. Like, or he, yeah. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> you know, change the dynamic. So, um, Did you cross over with any of the Three Degrees boys? Remember Cyril Regis was here in the 90s? Did you just miss out on playing alongside Yeah, no, him? I never. I played with Cyril in charity games, which yeah. was brilliant. Um, I knew him from that. And later on in life, he took up golf, became a keen golfer with his wife, Julia. So I saw him at the charity golf doing everything. What a man. I mean, just the nicest man you could... You could ever wish to meet, and, and and tragic really what 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 happened. So we're going for a hybrid then, Leeds seven. Leeds and, yeah. and West Brom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. It's good. It's innovation. That's what we like. We've just <laughs> got to innovate for the next question as well. Mm. Your first godly act. You've become a football god. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, what's your first godly act? <laughs> um, it's two. Okay. All right. I do think that there would be some benefit to football with a sin bin. Oh, good. Okay, like yeah. a, but it needs to be. It doesn't want. It can't be five minutes too short. You can hang on for five minutes, even ten, even fifteen. So it needs to be twenty minutes, I would think, something mm. like that, so that there's a real advantage to one team for, for twenty minutes. So it's re- sorry. So it's replacing a yellow card. So basically, yeah, it would be a second yellow, mm. um, as long as it's not violent mm-hmm. and borderline red. I think referees can make that call. Then, I just think it's so easy to get yellow cards in this day and age mm. that. You know, some some uh, times it's better to keep players on the pitch or or not not because supporters play pay good money mm. to go and watch football, and there's no doubt about it. Occasionally, um, well, frequently actually, when players are, are sent off, it does ruin the game as a spectacle. Teams tend to withdraw, get everybody behind the ball, unless of course you're. And Postecoglou and Tottenham, then you still. <laughs> well, remarkable. on the upside though, with that get with this Tottenham Chelsea game, like I guess if there'd been if Doggy had been sin bin for that for twenty chance, minutes, then he might have come back on and yeah. So I I just think it's just easy to get yellow cards now. So I I think a sin bin it works in rugby. I think it would work in football. So what 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 can we learn from you often here? Football can yeah. learn something from rugby. I don't watch rugby at all, but what what, yeah. what, what do you think? Sin bin well, I, included. The, the, the biggest thing that you notice when you watch rugby is the respect element that players have to have for the referee. The referees are clear, they're incisive in their instruction, what they expect, what they want, and they're rarely challenged. We're way too past that in football, um, way too past. You would only ever get to that point. It would be carnage for a quite a period of time because players, since the beginning of time, have always challenged referees' decisions in football. And I don't know whether that's the working class as opposed to the sort of middle class type of sport that rugby well, no, emanates from. You know, in NBA as well, there's this like zero tolerance mm. thing. So I don't, mm. I don't know. I remember, do you remember in football, they used to, for dissent, for instance, they'd move the ball forward 10 yards. <laughs> yeah. But it just didn't last. Yeah. But actually, I thought it wasn't it's a bad hard. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, with regards to VAR and rugby and the TMO and all that, I just think rugby's rules are a bit more black and white. Football offside should be straightforward. We've seen one instance where it has been and did the ball cross the line should be straightforward. And again, we've seen one instance where it malfunctioned. But they're the only black and white things, really. Mm-hmm. The rest is subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had all this controversy with Arsenal and Newcastle and was it a foul by Joe Linton or wasn't it? And you get 50% of people saying it was. and 50- So it's really, really subjective. Um, and that's the difference between... VAR in football, rugby, 
and even cricket where it's pretty black and white really. So did you say you got two? Yeah, so the other one, I would like a managerial transfer window. Oh, cool. Nice. Right, and it has to be the summer. It cannot be when the player's window opens in January. A manager has to have the whole season. Okay, because there are times when clubs are patient with managers and they turn it round. You know, so Brentford, for instance, I always use Thomas Frank as a great example of that. Thomas Frank won one of his first 10 games when, he, when Dean Smith left and he took over Brentford. Mm. And it would have been very easy for Brentford to just go, you know what, this isn't working and, and get rid of him. And, and, and look at him now, you can turn things around, but you need time and you need, you need patience, which is, is gone in football, really. So I think a managerial, I think you've got a season and, you know, you will get that season. Um, no matter what, I'd like to see that. David Moyes is another great example. Yeah, you know, could have gone last season. Yeah, ends up winning the European winning trophy. European Cup. There are loads of examples. Yeah, of course. There, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so can but can managers resign during the season? No, or no, you can't have it both ways, can you? <laughs> you can't. can't have your cake and eat it. No, yeah. no. If you're a manager and you sign a contract, the only time you can leave is in the summer. I like it a lot. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a new, you know, have you heard about Angel City FC, this women's team in the end of Brazil that's like been set up by like Natalie Portman and Serena right. Williams and people. Anyway, they said for the, obviously you trade players in this American way out there. And then they said for their first season, they were, they made the commitment to their team that they weren't going to trade anybody over okay. the course of the whole season. Yeah. What was really interesting. I mean, it's a gamble, right? Because yeah. you know, what if someone is shit? And yeah. you know, these are all new yeah. players, but it was this idea that you you got the kind of support and the confidence of your you were backed. Interesting. And I think that would yeah, have a yeah, huge yeah. impact on. Well, I think it would it would give it would allow managers to plan a little bit. You know, if you go into exactly. a football club yeah. and you you know you lose if you if you lose four or five games in a row, you really are in the red zone and and I lose another one, and you're probably going to get. Sacked, and there are some clubs that try and be patient. Um, I think QPR with Gareth Ainsworth is a great example of that. They tried and mm-hmm. they tried and they waited and they waited, and they couldn't wait any longer, and that's fair enough. Um, but going by this rule, Gareth Ainsworth would have still had his shot, but he might have he might have been able to plan for 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 better outcomes had he had he been guaranteed the rest of the the season. Look, they might have gone down anyway. We'll never know. Let, let's have it right. It, it does work both ways. It is a bit of a gamble, but I just think for managers to have a summer, to have a pre-season, to be able to then recruit in the summer, recruit in the January window, if you fail at the end of that season, it's on you, I think. But at the minute, there are some some very harsh sackings and it's very, it's very hard. It's one of the reasons I didn't go down that road. I knew that if I went in five months, four or five months, not going the way I mm-hmm. wanted, you're out. And then where do you go from there? It's your first job. You get the sack. Where do you, where do you go from there? Look, Teddy Sheringham, Stevenage, ended up having to go to India to get another opportunity. And now Teddy's one of our great players, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a managerial transfer window. Football imperfection for you, Don. Who springs to mind when you think of a perfect footballer? There's loads. You can rattle off all the, all the names that people would say from Pele to... Maradona, Messi and Ronaldo, obviously. Um, I, I went a little bit left field because I thought that would be boring. Yeah, and we can't just have Messi and Ronaldo. No, no, no. no, no. And, and, I, 
<laughs> and I went for Eric Cantona. Ooh, all right. Footballing perfection. Yes, interesting. In, in, isn't it right? Yeah, and, nice. And I'm, I might be being. I know he's not perfect. Far from perfect, like. But he did. He crossed the divide. That leads Man United. That's hatred. Not many people do that. Of course. Yeah. And he crossed that divide, having won the league title with Leeds, and then he goes to Man United and they win the title for the, the first time in all, all of those years. And when you look at some of the footage, and I remember watching him and probably not appreciating just, just how good he was, to be honest. So he's ticking all my left field boxes. Mm. And um, yeah, so for that reason, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Eric Cantona. How would you describe him as a, as a player? Well, the, the word maverick is is, mm-hmm. is is obviously used. It's it's probably used to be associated more with sort of 70s and 80s uh, players, didn't it, really? But um, he could just do everything, really. Um, he was strong. He had vision. Um, he was a leader. Uh, I loved his uh, his self-belief. You don't turn your collar up and play like that unless, you, unless you've got self-belief. Um and some of the goals, and, and, and it wasn't a coincidence to me that he left Leeds having won the title and then won the title with Manchester United. Mm-hmm. In his, in, and, and all the, all the ex-players, all the superstars, they all talk about Eric Cantona. So I, I just thought, yeah, I'll go for him. And he's got this mystique about him. Mm. I guess, like, I don't know, like musicians who die young. Yeah. He retired young and yeah. it's like, wow, yeah. what, do you know what I mean? He's got I mean, you're never going to forget this Seagulls follows you, Twitter. Yes, I was going to say, it's, <laughs> you know, you, it's part of it. And now the, <laughs> advert, the adverts he's doing now, I'm like, you know, he has, he's had that mystique mm. about him. And uh, maybe that's an, another element to it as well. And you're impressed with him partly because obviously winning, crossing the divide, winning in that way with those two teams. Mm. But it sounds as though one of the things that you really respect is the fact that he took that on. He was happy to yeah. soak up the hate and, and still have the strength yeah. to, to play as he I would. mean, real mental fortitude, self-belief. Um, he was different as well mm. to most footballers. And again, you know, I think loads of the lads would have been probably... I can't, I can't imagine he was down the pub drinking 15 pints of lager, to be fair. You know, it didn't strike me as that type. Um, but... Well, well, we'll try and find out about that. But um, <laughs> he was just different in the in his in his interviews, in the way he went about things. That there was this mystique about him, and he had incredible talent. Which player, Don, would you would you damn to hell if you could? So that is a really difficult question um but i did find an answer schumacher goalkeeper france v germany the german goalkeeper have you not seen that challenge on batistu yeah yeah it was on batiston yeah Yeah. it's the most horrific tackle on a football pitch i have ever seen and i've seen some nasty ones and some bad ones but that lives long in the memory and the thing about that game it was the most fantastic game of football. Finished 3-3. I think uh, Germany, I think, won it on penalties. But that tackle, I've never seen anything like it. And there was no ramifications. I, 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 he, didn't, mm. he didn't get a yellow card, I don't think. I don't That's, think, I you know. I'm not even sure he gave a free kick. Oh, my God. No, I don't think, don't think he <laughs> no, did give a foul. I'm, I'm, no. I'm, really, I'm really not. So, yeah, for that reason, he can... Um, can be damned to He hell. can be damned, yeah. I think it's fair enough. 
Yeah, because Batistan, <laughs> I think he's like, you know, he sort of never recovered, right? So. I'm, I, yeah, again, I d without delving into it, I, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I just, it was one of those questions which is really hard. I was thinking, okay, has a referee ever sent me off unfairly? <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, players, but when I played, we had battles. That was just the norm, physical battles with people, naughty tackles. Um, managers that I didn't get on with, one or two, but not enough. So I landed on um, on the worst tackle I ever saw. We've damned someone to hell. Okay. Mm. Um, watch, which footballing moment, though, would you get rid of from history? So I thought I'd go down the Wolverhampton Wanderers route here. Here we go. Okay. And I would vanish from history the second leg of the playoff at Burnden Park, Bolton, where... We lost and lost the semi-final of the playoff. And you might have to take over. This is going to be so diff basically, difficult for me to talk about. <laughs> basically, oh. you know, I watched the highlights of this the other day. You know, oh. it popped, popped up on YouTube. Yeah, did it? I've never seen the highlights before. Have you? Have you seen the home game? Remember the home game? I remember the home game. Yeah. Well, the home game was the biggest. I've never smashed the team so much and only won two-one yeah. in the home game. So we're two-one. We fit the woodwork five times, I think it was, and. They had the audacity to bring Peter Shilton out of retirement to, <laughs> to play yeah. in these playoffs. And he, and he was amazing. He actually was incredible. He must have been about 57 at the time, to be fair. He was, he, was, he was incredible. And no matter how hard we tried, we just couldn't extend the lead from 2-1 to 3-1. And then we went back to Burnden Park and the rest is history. There was a few shenanigans going on. We would argue that John McGinn should have been sent off. And well, he should have been your answer to number four, Don. I think, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's definitely your answer, <laughs> yeah, isn't he? Be, yeah, yeah, I know. Can um, I even say his name? But yeah, yeah, if I banish that second leg and, and we have the game played over one leg at home at Molyneux, mm. then, then we, we win. And I think we probably would have gone up. So. so what I always think about that team, and this might be misty-eyed nostalgia on my part, because it was the first Wolves team that I loved. I was like 10 mm. years old. But I always thought at that time... Premier League was still sort of in its infancy mm. and with the money that Sir Jack had and the stadium that was there mm -hmm. and the players and the manager, Graham Taylor, if Wolves had got over that line, they really could have done something. In the I Premier think that's League how we all group. felt. I think we reflect and we reflect on a group of players that had so much ability at that level that, and we underachieved by not getting there. Um, I think we were the best team in the league and I'll let you into a secret that at the end of that second leg, this is why I want to banish it. Mm. It's the only time, for football reasons, I've ever shed a tear on a on a football pitch. No. Because you kind of felt you could you could reach out and touch it, the mm. Premier League. Yeah. And you know the ambition of the football club and you know something special would have been happening. And um you did feel a little bit robbed, you know. Um but Bolt, fair play to them. They dug in, dug in deep, particularly at Molyneux. And um, that's why I want to get rid of that second leg. Yeah, <laughs> get rid of it. So you, you're through, yeah. You, <laughs> you say um, uh, best team in the league at the time. What, mm. uh, injuries were a massive problem with that. Injuries, we conceded too many goals. Yeah. Because we played a really open, expansive, you know, front good fun, foot. Good fun to play. Yeah, in we yeah. win or lose games 4-3 or 5-3 or 5-2 or whatever. There were plenty of goals in Wolves games back then. Um, and a, good, a great team as a forward to... To, to play in and a talented team but we weren't just weren't solid enough really which is surprising isn't it when you think Graham Taylor rest his soul he's he's the most organized disciplined manager I ever ever had ever had 
um, hugely motivating and yet would make just the odd silly mistake and, and, and be punished for it really. Mm -hmm. We've wiped from history. Yeah. We, I mean, it's it's you've changed history a lot there because yeah. now Wolves are in the Premier League. But anyway, we we don't have to keep it. They'd have had this brilliant trailing complex much earlier, much earlier wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah, exactly. With the glowing, <laughs> the glowing wolf. Um, what one thing would you banish from football? So again, this is a, this is a it was a, it was a difficult one. I love football. I'm still passionate about it. There's a lot wrong with it in terms of the gamesmanship, but that's been going on for years, and it's now part of the fabric literally we're not you know players are going to fall over when they're barely touched they're going to feign injury they're going to manage you know all kinds of stuff that we don't like diving we don't like it um but i can't change it because it's, it's here um so i'm i'm going to banish var huh. in its current format okay. okay so let me explain I think the biggest problem with VAR is they use this phrase right from the get-go, clear and obvious yeah. error, right? And that's what's caused all of the problems, I think, because the threshold of what is clear and obvious is just too high. Mm. And obviously, we'll, we'll talking about war, Wolves have had four penalty incidents that have all gone against them. There's only, we've only played 11 games. And that's four. Mm. So, and all four of them, you believe if the referee had been sent to look at a screen, the outcome probably would have been different in all four of them. Mm. So I just, I just think when referees are sent to a screen, they're going over thinking, oh, I've messed up here. And they're already half, before they've even got there, thinking they're going to change their mind. They've got this mindset. Whereas let's take the Huang Hee Chan I commentated on that game, you know. Why isn't Anthony Taylor making his own mind up? Mm -hmm. Because there's this massive threshold where a VAR decides it's not clear and obvious. Well, it is clear and obvious. But why are we having not the referee decide that it's a penalty still? Why aren't we sending Anthony Taylor over? Just like that. So if you're the VAR, you go, oh, it's borderline one. You go and check it and you choose on the pitches. You might be right, you might be wrong, you. but you go check yeah. it. That, that's what I would like to see. Because at the end of the day, we're looking at the, the Spurs-Chelsea game last night and there's 12 minutes added in the first half because there's so many VARs, there's offside goals, there's red cards. There's, <laughs> you know, there's, it's incredible, really. So we, we, we're almost getting used. I'm not saying we like it, but to, if you take time to get to the right outcome, then I think people will probably accept it easier. Do you think so? Then if then if then they are. But if you but more VAR, not less. What you're talking about. But I think I think you need to. If you're educated, I think you can pick which incidents you bring the referee across to. Because let's face it, I think within a minute you should have a really good idea as a VAR. You should have a really really good idea within a minute, right? Within a minute, if you're not sure. The referee comes over and if he takes another minute, minute and a half to get the right outcome, and that happens three times in a half, but it's the right outcome each time. And it's the referee's final decision, not the VAR, mm -hmm. then I'm okay with that. And some fans might be and some fans might not be, but I'm saying I'm okay with that because I think we'll get more right decisions. And actually at the end of the day, the book will then stop with the VAR.
So I think Anthony Taylor, who gave the penalty against uh, Newcastle and got left off the Premier League games, that's harsh. The VAR didn't get left off the Premier League game. Jared Gillard. Yeah. Why, why is the VAR not yeah. getting yeah. left off the Premier League game? So it's it's one of those. I think because we said this this phrase clear and obvious, and because we set such a high benchmark um, of tolerance, I think that's causing all the problems. Um, okay, so we've gone from bad things, sending things to hell, getting rid of stuff, to something nice, which is food. And now, is there a, a food, this can be like a pre-match meal or something you might eat at a game or something mm. you want to sit and eat while you're watching football. It's some kind of food of the gods for you, Don. I'm a foodie. I love my food. I li- love all food. It's a- I love literally every kind of food. Then I thought, well, okay, look back at what your pre-match sort of meals might have been. And my when I used to drive from Leeds, where I lived across to Bradford to play on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. At one o'clock, I'd stop and have Kentucky fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> three pieces and chips. Brilliant. Every <laughs> But it didn't do many. And by the way, what, it was not like KFC was a real popular thing back then. It was a real treat for a, for a boy from a council estate in Leeds, but I had my own money, so I'd just bang. Three pieces and chips, that was my first pre-match meal. It obviously evolved from that. Um, I, I traditionally had sort of poached eggs and beans on toast, which is a a popular one. Um, Sounds a lot better than the David Seaman option. Oh, yeah, boiled fish. Well, <laughs> yeah. It all sounded so tasteless, didn't it, really? Terrible. Yeah, it was. But no, I t- so that was my pretty much. I did um, progress to pasta and spaghetti bolognese or types of pasta. But then when we had a 12 o'clock kickoff and you're trying to force spaghetti bolognese down yourself at nine o'clock in the morning, it ain't good. Mm-hmm. It didn't last. <laughs> it didn't um, last. Do you still frequent the KFC now? Just to bring back those. It's been a members. long time. I probably on the way home from a game where it's too late for me to get home and cook something healthy. I might have something along those lines, but it is rare. It is very, very rare. If it happens, let's say twice a season, that would be it. And so you're eating your KFC yeah. and you're watching your football. Who's with you? Who's enjoying? Maybe you've got a. What's the big buckets called in case? Oh, family. Family, family bucket, maybe. Family bucket. Yeah. I could probably do that. one of them on my own, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who's not getting to play family bucket as you're watching the game? So I, I did think about this, and I thought about my boyhood heroes, and obviously you'd want... Nice. But they're not... None of them are here anymore, unfortunately, really. So it sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? But I thought Muhammad Ali... Okay. So it was a real inspiration back then. And I remember used to set, as a boy, set the alarm for sort of 2, 3 a.m. and listen to it on radio because it wasn't on telly, some of his fights. Uh, Nelson Mandela, no. I thought would be just the most fascinating. What an incredible man he was. Um, and Robin Williams I went for. I, lo- I love Robin Williams. The funniest, just amazing, funny, tragic uh man but i thought watching football with him would be quite funny no doubt him commentating on it in <laughs> various voices and so yeah those those are the three i picked out that's a great combination i think you've got everything there haven't yeah. you? you've got some like sport you can bring the football inside obviously yeah and then the, you've got your boxing football greatness and the greatness yeah. political and insight the, yeah. yeah and the humor do you, th- do you think they get on yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
I think they would. I think they would. As long as Muhammad Ali was allowed to say that he was the greatest of them. <laughs> so we're sharing a family bucket of KFC wings with Muhammad Ali, Nelson Mandela and Robin Williams. You can have it's a problem scene. with that, I think, because famously Muhammad Ali had, for his breakfast, pre-fight breakfast, he would have, was it something like four steaks and eight eggs? Yeah. Can, so it's going to have to be several family buckets. <laughs> we, you're going to say, yeah, we could, we could get extra. <laughs> we could get extra. <laughs> Just um, for the special guest. So what are you hearing, Don, as in... Is there a sort of football song of the gods for you? This could be uh, an actual football song. It could mm. be a terrace chant, something you used to hear before matches. Yeah. What you're hearing. Well, about. it would have been <clears throat> the song that the West Bromwich Albion fans made for me oh. until I left and Bob Taylor came and they gave it to Bob. And it's Bob's song now. Right. So it would have been that, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the song? Hark Now Here. Oh, that okay. one. Yeah. 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 You've got it. Thanks. His name is Donald Goodman. And he's better than Stevie Bull. They used to sing. Oh, no. We're not that. Yeah. Great song. <laughs> and it was when you're in full throat, when it's in full throat, yeah. it was great. I was like, felt 10 foot tall and all that. And then I left. Bobby Taylor came. Within like literally two weeks, they, 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 was, they substituted Donald Goodman out for Bobby Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't happy. So, um, yeah, I, I, an iconic song for me that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up Nessun Dorma oh, okay. Italian 90 mm. yeah, cool. and I used to love just before as the program was coming on just uh, and then as I got older I actually really did get into um, appreciating Pavarotti and right. his works so yeah, um, yeah Nessun Dorma it's just it was the first World Cup where I thought that song is a part mm. of that World Cup, really. And Italia 90 was an incredible tournament as well, wasn't it? Which which helped, so... Um, yeah, very synonymous with, yeah. that, with that song. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Is that purely because the the BBC picked it for their theme tune? Is that the, literally I think it was. the only link? I think it was. Yeah. I think obviously the Italian element to it as well, with it being played in Italy. Of course, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I love that song. And it started from then. Yeah. I think some of that, that kind of music as well just works so mm. well with the kind of grandeur of it. It's mm -hmm. a bit of a... It's, you biggest can't, can't biggest show on earth, exactly. isn't it? It's the you World can't Cup. Argue with it's, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great choice. Yeah, brilliant. I like it. Perhaps you would have it playing throughout this game that you have to pick to, to last forever. It's the final Ooh. question, Doc. Is it? Are we there already? Yeah, right. No, okay. So I, again, I went to, I went a crazy game that I played in that everybody would love. Okay, so let me paint the picture. I was playing in the Scottish Premier League for Motherwell. Mm -hmm. It was late October and Aberdeen were coming to our ground and Aberdeen hadn't won a single game all season. So you know what's coming now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, if I said to you, they... It, they beat us 6-5, right? And if I also chuck into the mix that the two goalkeepers were the best players on the pitch by far. Wow. And they were two ex-Scottish international goalkeepers, Andy Gorham, rest his soul, and Jim Layton. And they were the best. That game could have been in the 90 minutes, 2019 or whatever. Every time there was an attack, somebody should have or could have scored literally so it was a brilliant brilliant game for the neutral so I, th I thought i'd i thought i'd go with that one but nobody would really know that one so i thought i'd give you a an alternative well, i was gonna say how many did you score Tom? there's 11 goals there 
it was one or two, I think. Well, okay. Maybe one. Yeah. I'd rather understate so somebody doesn't message me and go, yeah, you want But definitely on the score sheet. Which yeah, you on, definitely on the score sheet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and I started, I started casting my mind back over standout Premier League games because it is the best league in the world. And I came up with the Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 in the year where Keegan and Fergie. Oh, that, yeah went for it and the rant, I wish the rant would have gone on forever. Can I change that? The game's forever, the rant forever. It's that sort of simultaneous. Just yeah. priceless. That was Absolutely cool. priceless. Because we hadn't seen a manager lose it like that, really. Not in an interview with a reporter. He's probably behind closed doors with his players or whatever, but that was, that was priceless. And obviously the game, um, it went 1-0 to Liverpool, then 1-1, 2-1 to Newcastle, then 2-2. 3-2 to Newcastle, Brilliant. then 3-3, and then the last kick of the game, Stanley Collymore smashes one in. But I remember being gripped by the whole title race and then that game, and you see Keegan slumped over the, the, the advertising hoardings. It was just, it's quite an iconic game for me. And John Barnes was playing, amazing mm -hmm. footballers on the pitch. Yeah. Amazing players, just a brilliant, brilliant game. So I'm sure everybody would love it if it was still going on now. And we can see your development from a from a keeper to a striker <laughs> <laughs> over the course of this podcast. Over the course in of what it, you've, in what in, you've enjoyed, in the answers, yeah, for sure, brilliant, uh, amazing. Well, we've got ten answers from you there, Don, um, <sighs> which we're going to recap you. as as ten commandments. The football. Your glory team is a hybrid of Leeds, Leeds' glory days from like the 70s with West Brom's famous sort of three degrees team. Uh, your first godly act, well, there's two. Uh, you're going to introduce Simbins. Right, yeah, yeah, you can do what, what the hell he wants, it's fine. Uh, Simbins and a managerial transfer window. Very good mm -hmm. idea. Footballing perfection for you is Eric Cantona. You're going to damn Harold Schumacher to hell, which is fair enough. And you're going to wipe from history uh, the Bolton playoff semi final against Wolves, which you don't want to talk about. I'll pick it up from there then. We're banishing from football VAR in its current form. You're going to be watching all of, in future, the game that's lasting forever, but generally you're going to be watching and eating KFC throughout. That's your godly food. You're going to be also eating... Sounds bad, doesn't it? Sounds good. It sounds very good. You're going to be hopefully, hopefully getting a massive supply of this KFC because you're going to be watching it with Muhammad Ali, Nelson Mandela and Robin Williams uh, listening along to Nesson Dormer and having t t picking two games as well. There's a lot of this, isn't there? He <laughs> likes to bend the rules here. Um, having either Motherwell 5, Aberdeen 6 or Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 last forever with I don't know if simultaneously or how we do it with the Keegan rant also. Oh, yeah. Continuing. Has to be in there. <laughs> just, Has to be in there, yeah. yeah. Just play it over and over again. <laughs> just, just put it on a link. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Don, thank you so much for this. That has been an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Made me think outside the box, you guys. <laughs> nice. No, we loved it. Great answer. Cheers, Don. The Football Gods is a voice work sport production. Podcast Network.